So there were three sons that wanted to bless their mom for her birthday. Son number one decided to buy his mom a huge, beautiful house. Son number two bought his mom a small, fuel-efficient car. And son number three thought and decided to buy his mom a parrot that knew the Bible from cover to cover and would expound it to her based on her command, both because she loved the Word of God and because her vision was very poor. A little time passed, and they all received the same letter. She said, first of all, I want to thank each of you for your gifts, knowing that they are full of love that you have for me. However, son number one, I'm sorry, but the house is just way too much and way too big for me. Son number two, the car is, I'm sorry, but it's too small. I have trouble getting in and out of it. Son number three, your gift was so thoughtful and perfect. That chicken was delicious. <laughs> well, maybe next week there'll be chicken. But today... But today, we get to feast on this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We get to feast on this. And there's some good stuff. Pastor Caleb told me right before we retired, and he and I met every Wednesday except for, I think, one or two since January all the way through May. I love that young man. I mean, we grew so close. So close. And he told me, he ran kind of by me. He wasn't asking my permission, but he just kind of ran by me to get my feedback. He said, I'm thinking about doing a, a, a series on kingdom culture. And he shared it with me. And I said, oh, my gosh, that would be so good. And I've been listening, and it's been every bit as good as what I thought. And then last week, Kathy, I need to ask you, was that actually one of the lessons in the actual series? I thought it was. Unoffended heart or non-offended heart? Unoffended heart. I've been telling all kinds of people this week, man, you've got to listen to this message. I told Kathy last week, she didn't leave any stone unturned. She went into my yard and picked them all up. And I was just like, oh, Lord. And it wasn't always pretty. I've been chewing on that all week. We've needed it. Linda and I have needed it for some things that we're actually going through and walking through right now. That was such an incredibly powerful message, Kathy. And I, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the church for that word. I told Pastor Caleb, I said, man, you've got to hear this message. Kathy did a great job. And I'm going to be kind of piggybacking, if I can. And let me grab my clicker here. I'm going to be piggybacking on your message. Uh, God gave me a word back probably at the very beginning of the summer. And I told Caleb, I said, I have no idea when I'll be back. But if, if and when I come back, I think I have a word for, for Valley View. And well, then he, lo and behold, he was going on vacation. He asked if I could fill in for worship and speak the second week. And he, he said, what's that message about? Because he's really, he wants to make sure it flows with the, the theme, you know. And I was like, oh, it's going to flow with the kingdom culture stuff. And I had no idea what you were going to speak, but it really just, again, it piggybacks on what you shared. A little different perspective on some things. 
but piggies back on what Kathy shared. So we're going to be talking about living in harmony. How to live and walk in sweet harmony. Now, why would you, why is it important that you, as a local expression of God's big church, why is it important for you to live in harmony with each other? Why? Why is it important? What would you say to that? All right, other people are looking, and by this shall they know you're my disciples by how much you speak in tongues? No, by your love for one another. That's a good reason. People, they're watching. They're watching this dysfunctional church. I'm, I'm not speaking about Valley View, per se, just the church in general now. Yes, ma'am. Oh, gosh. You know, I don't know if I've ever, I'm 66, and I don't think I've ever seen our country more divided. More divided. And it's not just in ideology, it's in attitude and everything. I mean, it's, it's vicious. Sometimes I even get caught up in it. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen it. And some of that can creep, seep into the church if we're not careful. And so we want to be an example of something different. Anybody else? This is good. Anybody else? Why? Yes, Miss Barbara. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to summarize all that Old Testament. This whole, you know, that's the, you know, it's the big part. The Old Testament is the big part of your Bible, right? So here we go. I don't have a zap, but all that right there, I'm going to give it to you in two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, oh, by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a pretty good reason. Pretty good reason right there. Let me give you a couple. It's funny that these, these two weren't mentioned, but those others were great. And that's why I love to hear what you have to say. This is what Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Two compelling, and this is not on your notes yet. We'll get to that in just a second. But one of the things is this. Jesus said, a house divided will not stand. Who said that? Jesus. Who heard it besides the disciples? The enemy. And so he heard that and he goes, ah, my strategy. If I can divide the church, I can conquer the church. So that's a negative one. A house divided will not stand. A positive one, Psalms 133. Does anybody know offhand Psalms 133, what it says? It talks about how blessed you are when you walk together in harmony. And at the very end, it says, it's there that God commands a blessing. He commands a blessing. When he sees harmony, he goes, oh, I command a blessing on that place right now. So those are pretty good reasons, wouldn't you say? The problem is, it's easy to preach harmony. It's easy to speak harmony. It's a whole different game to walk harmony. A quote that you guys, some of you have heard me say before. I love this quote. It's not original with me. To live above with the saints we love will be glory. To live below with the saints we know is another story. A lot of truth in that. There are so many divisions even in, amongst God's people. 
I was actually going to open this up, so I am going to open up. I'll repeat what you say. What are some of the divisions that are in the body of Christ? It could be a local church. It could be the whole church. Okay, tongues. Yeah, you guys are getting very specific. Baptism, that's good. Oh, yeah. This one's divided the church just all boom, right in half. Calvinism, it, it, this is way oversimplistic, but you're totally predestined, once saved, always saved. Calvinism, you have a free will to choose yes or no to God. Um, ooh, major schism in the church. Any other divisions? You guys are actually naming some pretty critical ones. Pre-trib, post-trib. Okay, yeah, that is definitely, or mid-trib. Or how about all millennial? That's another one. Let's just, let's just really mix it up here. Uh, yes. Unforgiveness causes that division. There's no doubt about it. Dee, were you going to say one? What's that? Politics. Yeah, politics. Even politics in the house of God? Oh, yeah. So here's what I did. I divided them into three areas. Again, this still isn't on your message list. We haven't even got to that yet. This is all introduction. Ready? You guys hit on this one. Beliefs. Divide the body of Christ. Beliefs do. Now, let me just say this. I grew up in a very dogmatic, from about the age of 11 until I graduated high school, I was in a very dogmatic um, apostolic oneness. We were the only white ones on the planet church and those who believed like us. And they were incredibly sincere, incredibly sincere, and they had their scriptures that they could go to. And then they sent me to a college they thought believed the same thing, but the college used to but had been kind of freed by grace. And they taught me their balance in the word of God. Everybody say balance. And one of the things they shared is that sometimes believers can look at the exact same passage and see it differently. But I'm right. <laughs> they believe they're right too. And it helped free me to realize that, you know what? There are some things we may not see eye to eye on until Jesus returns. So beliefs have definitely divided us. The sad thing is, is when they affect us, and I remember going to a fair in high school, and uh, myself and another guy, and we get, led this kid to the Lord, and we were, I mean, we were just so pumped, so excited. And so we went over to this Baptist um, tent where they were doing their thing, and they, we told them, hey, somebody got saved, and they're like, do you believe in once saved, always saved? And I'm like, somebody just got saved. They're like, but do you believe in once saved, always saved? And I walked away kind of discouraged, went over to a Catholic one, and they said, they totally ignored what we said. How about these rosaries? Would you like to buy some rosaries? And we walked away on a night that all heavens rejoicing, we were discouraged. Because division sometimes creeps into the church in ugly ways. Beliefs. Another area is gray areas. Gray areas where there's not clear scripture on it. For example, let me give you two. Just two. One, R-rated movies. Should believers go to R-rated movies? 
Oh, I bet we could divide the church right here. <laughs> yeah, so there's you know, nothing really clear in the word on R-rated movies, at least I haven't found, but you might find some underlying principles that guide you on that. R-rated movies, drinking alcoholic beverages. <laughs> oh, it's getting awfully quiet in here. Let's sing in the spirit again. <laughs> So those are what I call gray areas. And then there's divisions over the silly things. And you can't be in ministry as long as I have without having seen some of that. Like churches splitting over the color of chairs or pews. Oh, my gosh. Or whether to have, this almost split a church I was passing, whether to have a steeple or not. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> such division, such division in the church. And then you up the ante. The enemy seized upon our weakness for division. And along comes something like COVID. And you talk about division on steroids. Whether to mask or not mask. Whether to abide by state guidance or not abide. And boy, they both had their scriptures. Both camps. And now the mandates. Vilifying those, or the vaccination, I should say, before I get to the mandates. The whole vaccination thing. I'm not going to ask who in here has been vaccinated and who hasn't, because once again, we could, we could divide this church with strong feelings on both sides. I know some people, I just read this. This is craziness. I just read this. In southwest Missouri, some people are disguising themselves when they go to get a vaccination because they don't want to be recognized by their unvaxxed people, friends, who will condemn them for going to get a vaccination. That's ludicrous. On the other hand, we're seeing the vilification of those who aren't being vaccinated. Even to the point of, well, if the carrot doesn't work, let's get out the stick. Let's mandate that they get vaccinated. Mm. You can't go into the restaurant. You can't go into this. You can't go into this. You can't fly. You can't cruise. You can't this. 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 If you're not vaccinated, if you don't prove that you're vaccinated. Man, that's about as close to the mark of the beast as I can see. I told Linda this week when this whole Delta thing was coming out and they're all talking about masking again and all this. I said, I am so glad I am not pastoring now. I'm sorry, Caleb, it's all yours. <laughs> it had to be the hardest year ever in my ministry, ever. It was so divisive. The enemy saw the weak link in the church that we like to be divided. And he said, let me send this. I can really divide them. And I get it. I have strong feelings on some of those things. I do. 
to live above with the saints we love. Oh, that's going to be glory. (laughs) To live below with those saints that I know and you know. Totally different story. So I ask again, is harmony even possible? Well, Paul addressed it, literally addressed harmony in Romans 14. And he talks about differences, but he also talks about harmony. It's a good chunk of scripture. And um, I wrote it out on your message notes, if you'll follow along. Romans 14, not every verse is on there. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's just, uh, I was running out of space, to be honest with you, and so I was trying to pick the most important things. Verse 1, everywhere where you see a dark word, would you help me out by, let's say it together. So I'm going to say one, two, three, since we're starting off with one that's bold. Ready? One, two, three. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them. Whoops, I'm sorry. I asked you to do it, and then I'm just flying right by. Here we go. And with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. That's not to be confused with some vegetarians today, by the way, who maybe for health reasons do other things. But nonetheless, you have a vegetarian here for, out of belief system. Verse 3, those who, feel, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down. On those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must Those who do. For God has accepted them. In the same way, some think that one day is more holy than another day. While others think every day is the same. It's alike to the Lord. Verse 6. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord. And those who refuse to eat certain foods, they also want to please the Lord. For if we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. Verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause That was a long section there, and you guys did pretty good staying together there. That was a really important one, by the way. Living such a way you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat... You are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone else for whom Christ has died. Somewhere in here he says, For the kingdom of God is not eat or drink, 
But it's peace, love, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. This, we're talking about the kingdom of God, and you're making it all about eating and drinking, mask or no mask, uh, vaccination or no vaccination. You're making it about colors of pews or not colors of pews. And you're making it about all this stuff. That's not the kingdom of God. Amen. Get back to the kingdom of God. Verse 18. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then, that's the main text, by the way. And try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat or a day, or we could put a number of things in there. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but if it's wrong, it is wrong to eat something. But it is wrong, I'm sorry, it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or to drink wine or anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Go ahead, do it. But if you have doubts... Hold on, let's stop. I'm sorry, I was so excited about reading... I want you to get this. I want you to say it, all right? But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. Oh, Sila, for just a moment. Let's pause on that just for a moment. I'm going to read it now. Just listen to it. Because you're probably so busy concentrating trying to stay in unison and harmony. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should do something or eat something, You are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So, once again, we're still not on your notes yet. Let me share with you just an overview of Romans 14, what we just read. Just a real quick overview. Then we're going to get right into the meat of it. And I I don't want to scare you like, oh my gosh, he's not even into the meat of it. Because if I heard something like that, I'd be thinking, Lord, and i got to go to the bathroom, and I'm not, you know, or I'm hungry, and they're just getting started. I've been around these preachers for years, and I know some of them have conclusions that are like, conclusion number 10 is what you want to yell out. You've been concluding like forever. So I won't keep you long when I get into the meat, but, because all this is important. Romans 14, overview. So Paul says, hey, guess what? There will be differences. Turn to your neighbor and say, there will be differences. I know sometimes people go, man, if we could just be like the early church. Well, guess what? The early church had differences too. So much so that Paul has to address it. What were their differences? What were the differences in this chapter? Well, some said one day is special to the Lord. Maybe they were new believers, Gentile believers, who believed that the Lord's day, Sunday, was meant to be honored. Remember those days when people used to call Lord's day? Meant to be honored. Maybe they were Jewish believers who still felt that the Sabbath should still be honored. 
But then there were other believers who came along and said, no, 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 that's not right. Every day is important to the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day should be the same now. And Paul's like, oh, God. Does somebody else want to be an apostle? Eating meat. Eating meat. For some, that was sin. For others, it's like, I can eat whatever I want. This is ridiculous. If you go into Corinthians, he adds another element. Eating food offered to idols. Man, he spent a long time on that in Corinthians. It was a very divisive topic. Some felt like, no, 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 don't do it. That's demonic, man. It's demonic. That's, that's evil stuff. And other people are like, that's just a stone, man. I can eat that food. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the early church had differences too. So which of these, let's just, let's just take a poll. This will be fun. One day is special. Every day is special. How many of you believe that we should have like the Lord's Day or a Sabbath as being special? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that every day should be special? Wow. All right, I should have you close your eyes so that we don't get into... We'll, we'll be fighting outside afterwards. All right, let's go to the idol one because I think that would be more applicable today like Halloween. Similar. Some believe Halloween is demonic. Other people say, don't let the enemy rob that day. My kids want to go out and get some candy. <laughs> so how many of you would think it would be okay for you? I mean, I, seriously, nobody's condemning here. Obviously, in the early church, they disagreed. How many of you would have a hard time eating food if you knew that it was being offered in some kind of ritual, satanic ritual, or to idols? Oh, look. How many of you would say, I have no problem whatsoever because that stuff, I mean, Satan's real, but not that idol stuff is not real. Well, not as many. Yeah, there, we, have, we have one lone brave soul back there. <laughs> God bless you, Mike. <laughs> All right. So what did Paul say? What did Paul say? Paul refused to take sides. That's not fair. Somebody's got to be right. He spends this whole chapter. He gives little inclinations how he might lean. But he never says one is right and the other is wrong. Because as long as we focus on that, we won't have harmony. won't have harmony as long as you focus on that. And then he adds something in there, and this is actually going to be real important when we get into the four attitudes. If you do something and you have doubts in your mind or conscience that you should, he said, then it's sin. You've sinned. You, it's sin for you. Wait a minute. That makes sin a moving target. 
I mean, you're, Paul, are you saying something may not be sin for me, but it's sin for somebody else? That's what he said. That's what he said. Now, not to be mistaken that there are things clearly in the Word of God that are clearly identified as sin for all of us. But this can be real confusing. Miss Jane. Yeah, that, that's a good principle, by the way. Let's all say that. When in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. Yeah, because if you do, it's sin to you. Now, that's going to be real important when we talk about harmony. So now let's get right to your four little blanks there. Let's fill those in. Because now we're going to get to the, what I would call um, where the tire meets the road. I love Paul. I love this about your pastor, Caleb. He is so wanting not just to get up and speak and just entertain people. I mean, he, he abhors that. I know. I've talked with him. He so wants it not just even to be mentally grasped. He wants it to be applied. And so he'll have you break into these little uncomfortable groups afterwards and you know where you can talk about it and share about it and the idea being later would be to have small groups that will talk about it and share about it maybe giving a little head start on some of his goals but I love that about him because Paul was the same way Paul's like we're not just going to talk harmony I'm going to tell you how you can have it so let me tell you how you can have it. And this is Paul. This is not original with Rich. None of this is original with Rich. This is all God and Paul. Paul, God speaking through Paul, God writing through Paul. So there are four attitudes. These are must-have kingdom harmony attitudes if we're going to continue to have harmony. I've already shared with you a lot of reasons why we wouldn't. Let's talk about how we can. Number one, it's not that hard. Accept one another. Accept one another. Really not that hard. Why does it seem so hard sometimes? Somebody could word it this way. I can, we can disagree, but not necessarily be disagreeable. We can agree to disagree. And I love you. I was on a prayer walk a couple days ago. And this message was churning in my spirit. And I'm kind of talking to the Lord about it. And right at this point, he drops this most unlikely illustration. It is the most incredible. I loved it, though. I went home immediately, looked it up online to get my facts straight. I knew just a teeny bit about it. Who can tell me? And if you don't know this, I get it. But who can tell me who were the two Supreme Court justices who just recently died? They were the last two who died. They both died in office. Ginsburg and Scalia. Scalia. Scalia, thank you. Scalia. Ginsburg and Scalia. Now, ideology-wise, they were about as opposite as you can get. Ginsburg was a true blooded liberal who believed that the Constitution evolves, changes, 
over time. Scalia was a literalist who believed in the literal constitution. I read a stat that I didn't know, that they agreed only 56% of the time on cases, less than any two other judges. They were the most disagreeable that you can get. And yet, they were best friends. So much so that every New Year's Eve, they celebrated it together. They often had dinners together. When Ruth Ginsburg's husband died in 2010, and she came to deliver her speech on a case, it is said that Scalia was off on the side, and he saw her walk up, and tears just began to stream down his face because his friend had just lost her husband. We could learn a lot from Ginsburg and Scalia. We could learn a lot on how to accept one another even when we disagree with each other. Accept one another. Accept one another. Mm. Secondly, don't condemn the other. It's the flip of what we just said. Accept one another. At the same time, don't condemn each other. Stop condemning each other. But I believe this. Okay, they believe just as strong as you do. We're all going to stand, Paul says, before the judgment seat and give account. Stop making yourself God. Let that happen when it happens. Because when we condemn, we're taking non-acceptance and disagreement. We're literally taking it to a place of almost no return. I condemn you. You're wrong. You are wrong. And it comes to a point where a brother offended is harder to be won back than a fortified city. Paul says you want harmony. There's going to be differences. Acknowledge that. But he says you've got to learn how to accept one another. You have to stop condemning each other. I know you believe strongly. I love your passion. I love that you're passionate about what you believe, but you can't be condemning others because they see it differently. The third one, stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself. Kathy, last Sunday you gave us a a lot of scripture. A lot of powerful, powerful scripture that just kind of, you said, okay, I've shared. Now, you know, you shared this incredibly. Again, if you did not hear this message I, I think you're going to podcast now. Go to a podcast and listen to it because it's worth hearing this message. But you shared this incredibly powerful story about your, your dad. And you went through the whole thing about how the thing that freed you from because he got angry because of things didn't turn out the way he thought they were going to turn out. And the, the anger began to be lashed out at his daughters, you being one of them. And you'd get off the phone, you'd be crying by the end of it. And the Lord just kind of took you to school and said, look, you need to lock eyes on me. You you can't let him define who you are. 
And once you did that, and the statement that just, oh my gosh, I told Linda, she made the statement. She said, because every time I allowed him to rob me, it's like the enemy was taking the kingdom of God out of me. My peace, my joy. Remember, the kingdom of God is not eat or drink. It's righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's taking the kingdom. But whenever you locked eyes, you said you looked and the kingdom of God had expanded. You're taking back the kingdom of God. And then you gave us all these scriptures. I was just like, whoa, I was swimming in scripture. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just, I can't hardly, I'm not even assimilating this scripture yet. And you're going on. And, and then I saw the value. You weren't aware of this at times where you had it up here and you're reading one and it was a different scripture. And I saw the value at that point of how important it is to be able to follow. So I did not originally have this scripture because you shared. I'm going to share a scripture she shared last week. I didn't originally have it in the notes. I was just going to read it. But I remembered that. And so I put it on the back of your notes. So flip them over. Philippians 2. This scripture has it's blessed me, convicted me, <laughs> blistered my butt a few times. Oh, it's a powerful passage. Power. You share many powerful passages, but this one is it's one of my favorite scriptures, even though it's made me uncomfortable a lot of times. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. And I, I could have gone on. I think you went even further, maybe. Um, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. I'm just going to say here, this is a little selfish statement I'm going to say, but I get what he's saying. He's saying, man, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Make my joy complete. Stop disagreeing. In other words, you can interpret in here, because it's not fun being a leader when you have all this schism going on. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value other people above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That statement right there is stop looking out for your own interests. Look out for the interests of other people. In your relationships, have the same mindset that Jesus had, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Kathy, you shared it so well last week. You said he could have said to God the Father, I'm not going down there. I'm not going to fix their mess. They made the mess. Let them fix it themselves. They're all knuckleheads. Look at them down there. He could have easily said that. But he didn't. He emptied himself and said, I love you enough to forgive you. 
So don't live for yourself. Don't live for yourself. Brother Mike. Yeah, so I'm going to repeat only because of not everybody can pick it up. So a lot of people look at this and think they have to lower themselves. God's never intended for you to lower yourself. He calls you redeemed. He calls you perfect. He calls you holy. He's identified you and me. But he says to lift others up, even above yourself. Don't lower yourself. Lift others up above yourself. That's a great point, Mike. Thank you for sharing it. And this point right here, don't live for yourself, really flows into the last point. And I'll confess the last point is, is really the challenge. It, it will be the challenge of challenges. And that is this, attitude number four, don't do something that will cause another to stumble. Don't do something knowingly. I have to add that. He didn't say that, but I have to add that because you may do things without realizing you're causing people to stumble. But don't knowingly do something when you're around people that causes them to stumble. Don't do it. What did that mean for Paul? Well, Paul lets on a little bit that he thinks that eating meat's really okay because he says every food's okay. And in Corinthians, he kind of even lets on, if you really look that he probably ate or felt okay about eating meat offered to idols. However, he says, I will never eat meat offered to idols if it will cause my brother or sister to stumble. I won't do it. I won't exercise my right. I'll die to my right. Linda's mom, as you know, we've been taking care of her. We have my mom on my end. We have Linda's mom on her end, elderly parents. And I'm more involved with Linda's mom because my brother's up in Cleveland, and we have some hired care helping with my mom, whereas we are the care for Linda's mom and us and her brother. And so we're rotating, and we're going back and forth. And by the way, some of you have asked, are we packing our bags or our boxes or whatever, our sale fell through. And so right now, we're just going to continue going back and forth. We'll see. We're here for now. That's where we're at. But we were there with her mom, and her mom's actually improved some. Now, her, her aunt passed away, turned 92. I want to give you a little context here. This is crazy. Turned 92, May 21st. I know that because that's Linda's and my anniversary. And she died a week later died in hospice, and she had cancer, and just toward the end, she was starting to experience pain, and the Lord graciously took her home. We were grateful because taking care of her physically, and her mom, on the other hand, is 91, just turned 91 July 25th, same day as Fiona, our granddaughter's birthday. <laughs> um, and we were there for her birthday, her 91st birthday, and we didn't get to celebrate her 90th. We had really wanted to make that a big one, and we didn't get to do it, so we said, we're going to make this a big one. She's like, no, no, no. We wanted to take her out someplace fancy. No, no, she doesn't want to go out. <laughs> and she, is, um, she had a stroke. 
She's doing so much better, but, I mean, there's days where she's confused, and we know we can't leave her alone. We know that much. It's just not a place where you feel comfortable just leaving her alone. So somebody has to be there. So we're there with her, and we're doing this birthday celebration, and every meal we make, she thinks, is the best meal. It's just the most wonderful thing in the world. She's so grateful that we're making these meals. So we're cleaning out her aunt's estate in 90-plus degree heat. You, you know what Oklahoma heat's like. Oh, my gosh. You want a little taste of hell? Just go live in Oklahoma. Uh, no. No, no, it's not that bad. It, 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 we can't make that comparison. You're right. But as far as my eye could see backwards, there were highs in the 90s. As far as my eye could see forward, there were highs in the 90s, and most of the time in the upper 90s. That's hot! And so we're out there cleaning out her estate, sweat pouring out, and then we go home and cook for her mom and care for her mom, wash her mom's hair, Linda helps her bathe. It's a lot. It's a lot. So we're sitting down having this dinner, and we posted some of this on Facebook, this wonderful, we did a birthday breakfast, and then we did a birthday dinner. We just wanted to do it right for this woman who turned 91 years old. I mean, these two ladies lived by themselves up until May. Five miles apart from each other, one on a dirt road, another on a gravel road, out in the middle, nowhere, by themselves. It's insane. So we're there, and we got a... A bottle of wine and we poured the wine and, and she said oh I love this wine it's so good and we told her what it was and, and um, she made a statement that I picked up on she said now I can tell Bob which is Linda's brother I can tell Bob he can give me this wine I, I haven't been able to have it until now and I pulled Linda aside later I said did we do something we shouldn't have done health wise <laughs> Is there a reason why she, why did she say that? And she said, oh, no, no, no. It had nothing to do with health or anything like that. Back on her 80th birthday, we had celebrated with a toast, with a champagne or wine, one. And she had held up a glass, and we posted pictures on Facebook. For years, my mother-in-law was a prophetic voice in the church as well as a leader in the church as well as a pastor of a church even for a while. And there were some strong opinions that came out that she heard about later seeing her with a glass of wine. And she said, that's it. I'm not going to drink wine. That's it. I'm done. I'm not going to drink wine. And a whole lot of you are like, for goodness sake, if an 80-year-old woman wants to drink a glass of wine, let her drink a glass of wine. <laughs> I would have drank a glass of wine, then you would have been wrong. Paul said, if you know it causes other people to stumble, and had we not posted it, nobody would have known. So we knew better once I heard that. Well, I'm not going to post that picture. <laughs> and I understand. I understand. I understand in this room that I'm, I'm walking on, some, on the edge, even, even in this room probably, and I, I get that. And it's for the sake of an illustration that I'm doing this. But for years, Linda and I were what they call teetotalers, not because we thought it was wrong, to drink an alcoholic drink. We do believe that the word is very clear about drunkenness. Yeah. That's sin. And if you're going out and getting drunk, you need to repent. That's sin. That's clear. But the alcohol thing's controversial. I'll give that. I'll give it that it's controversial. 
for years, we didn't think anything wrong, but I'm talking years we were called teetotalers because we pastored people and didn't want to cause many in our church that we knew did not feel that way to stumble. And there's times you want to go, there's nothing wrong with this. Why can't they see that? And then God, just like he did with you, pulls Rich aside and says, you know better than that, Rich. If it causes them to stumble, why are you insisting on being right? Mm. I'm going to hold off. I made more comments just for a moment here. There's a reason for that, Judy. I'm sure it would have been good. On my prayer walk yesterday, Holy Spirit remind me of a lady in our first church. Very first church we pastored. Her name was Jane Wilson. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. She was probably in her 40s when we were pastoring in our young 20s. And Jane believed her understanding of scripture and how women should dress, she believed that women should wear a dress. Now, I knew that I had only ever seen her in a dress. I didn't know that she had a conviction about that. I only found out because others told me and because I'd only ever seen her in a dress. It didn't matter if I went by her house. She always had a dress on. But this is what stands out to me is I never, ever, 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 ever heard Jane say, this is what's right. Why aren't the rest of you doing this? Never. I didn't even know it was a conviction until somebody told me. And I've had the utmost respect for that woman. That she could, first of all, live with a conviction that's probably uncomfortable in our society today and do it because she thought it was right and yet never put her conviction on anyone else. That's what we're talking about. So how do you close a word like this? Some of you may be feeling what I was feeling last week, a little uncomfortable, because you can think of areas where you haven't always lived up to this stuff. Well, in that case, I would encourage you to go to those four R's that Pastor Caleb brought out, that you reiterated. I don't even remember all of them, but I know one's re repent, and I know one is, I think, re resist, and receive, resist. Rebuke. We got all kinds of R's coming at me, so. <laughs> and my name is Richard. That's an R, too, so. <laughs> Anyhow, last week... I just felt the need to just examine myself for a while, and you gave us that opportunity. You said, I know Pastor Caleb's really encouraged us to, and he sent us the email saying, you know, if you feel it would be good to maybe have him break up in those groups. So 
But kind of like you felt last week, I felt like this is one of those that, well, we're going to take communion, and it it kind of, well, let me put this up and explain. So in communion in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, examine yourself. So when we receive communion in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to take a moment Ponder what was shared today. Let's, let's somehow apply this word to our lives. Let's apply it. So it's a time to reflect. And that's going to be very personal. It's also a time to remember the death of Jesus. If you're here and you're feeling condemnation, I can tell you this much. But that's not good because it's not meant to be, you're never meant to be condemned. You are as righteous in Christ right now, even if you feel guilty for some things, you're still righteous in Him. So you want to remember His forgiveness. Remember it. Reflect on yourself. Lord, are there things you want to adjust in my life? Remember what He did so you can walk away here not being just drugged down by the enemy with condemnation and guilt. And then he says a a wild thing. He says, wait for one another. Wait for one another. That can mean a lot of things in the Greek. It can mean serve one another, minister to one another, or it can just mean wait for each other. Because some of them were actually getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, and then they were eating and then taking off, and other people were left hungry. I mean, this church, this church was a mess. So it's like, wait for one another. So what we're going to do is, we're taking just some instrumental worship music that I've, I've listened to a lot of times when I'm having my devotions. Um, and we're just going to have that playing in the background just as a setting. But I'm going to encourage you, don't rush this, please. Don't rush it. Do those three things. And then at the very end, I am, and Caleb will be thrilled with this, I am going to ask you to find one person at least to pray with. And you don't have to pray about even the message unless you, know, unless you feel like you need to go spill yourself to somebody else. But I'm not asking you to do that. Spill yourself to God and just pray for one another. Wait for one another. Um, and then at some point, I'll just call us and we'll just close out with, prayer because once you've done that you pretty much have done it I'm going to leave that to yourselves when you're supposed to do that but take at least you gave us five minutes last week take at least a couple of minutes just don't rush this one of the things I I love a lot of things about my Linda who comes home Wednesday Mm. thank God I miss her I so miss her um you know, we, we go out together. I have to come back early to take care of things here, the yard, flowers, and all the stuff that has to be taken care of here. But I love that she, she's been in places where they'll pass out, and then they're coming by and already collecting it, and she's like, I'm just getting started. I want to spend a little time. So she rebels a little bit and lets it go by, and she's hanging on to hers, you know. So 